into my circle with the opposite of Urkel When I pull up flying purple, people eaters couldn't bite me I feel the fate of Herschel And I just leave them on the limb and hand them up And this is rappers of walking that I already killed them Skin blanco, lyrical weapon kicking like a bronco Head honcho, spherical presence came from the grotto A dead rapper, wrap his body in a poncho With crackers mellow with a combo like pronto Saganara, kamikaze rocking body armor When I change lanes Welcome back to As Indie Grows. This is the podcast where we feature successful people doing successful things. Today we have uh, another renaissance man, uh, Mr. Darren Earlywine. Darren, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Darren has his own podcast, so we're going to see how uh, how well he measures up. He may be the host of this podcast. <laughs> uh, Taking over. <laughs> But like most of our entrepreneurs that we have on this show, uh, just the jack of all trades, it seems like. Just here's a, a list of the things that he's got going on for him, and we're going to dig into a couple of them. But he's the president and founder of Blackbird Mission. Mission or missions? Mission. Blackbird Mission, um, which for those of you in Indy, uh, probably know him best for Pub Theology, which yeah. is um, you know an event that you do at local bars. Talk about God in a setting that God isn't normally talked about. Yeah. In. So, Indy's best party with a purpose. Party with a purpose. Uh, currently finishing up his book, Death of a Dream. Yep. We'll get into that. Yep. Married with three kids. Coach a lot of baseball. So play baseball. Still living the dream. Think you might make it. No, I I, f- I figured out there's a there's a point in life where you realize is playing sports at that age is just basically waiting to get injured. And so, since I, <laughs> since I dislike pain, uh, I've decided uh, decided to hang that up a while ago. So yeah, just coaching yeah. for me. Well, and you also uh, were in a period of your life you were a professional drummer. Yeah, did that for that was my kind of first career, first passion. That's what I thought I was on earth to do. I thought that was going to be my thing for my whole life, and uh, that's part of the part of this the the storyline of of the book Death of a Dream was pursuing that dream and uh, it not working out. And uh, and so I still get to play a handful, you know, sometimes, you know, if at church and different things and uh, try to keep my chops up, but sure. it's, it's not how I pay the bills anymore. <laughs> so let's let's jump into that. Um, I mean, obviously, I, I wanted you to come on um, to talk a lot about those two things, pub theology and the death of, death of a dream, but I feel like we're going to get your story along the way of how that all happened. Um Let's start with Blackbird Mission. What what is the what does the name mean? Blackbird Mission. Great question. So yeah, Blackbird Mission. It's got kind of a three uh, a threefold uh, title, if you will. So the first part of it is uh, my my buddy Joey V and I were we're trying to figure out what are we going to call the nonprofit when we were putting it together. And he came over to my house one day. And he said, "Hey, I think we should call it Blackbird." And I was like, "Okay, tell me why." He was like, "Well, he's like a couple things." He's like, first off, he's like, um, the uh, the Beatles song, right? Blackbird. So Blackbird singing to the dead of night, you know, take these broken wings and learn to fly. And at that point, the only thing we were really doing ministry-wise is pub theology, where we're going out into the everyday spaces and places of life and reminding people that, that they're loved, you know, and raising money for charity. And so it was an idea of we're taking people that, that may feel like they're discarded or they're in their, that, that, that God's, you know, against them in some way, and we're coming out and doing our best to connect them to the love of Jesus and then, you know, help them find a place of, of healing emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and really, you know, take take flight in their life. So that was that. And he said he was reading, and I uh, in First Kings 17, there's a story of the prophet Elijah going out and, and kind of hiding 
hiding in the desert. And what happens is it says that uh, the blackbirds or ravens bring him, uh, you know, provision out in the desert. Mm-hmm. And so it was the idea of, of kind of being out in these desert places in life and, and, and trusting God to, to, to bring us the provision we need, but also bring provision for other people. And then for me, the reason I loved it was um, what we've done through the years, whether it be for pub theology and then for about three and a half years, I had a radio show on ZPL here locally in Indianapolis. Uh, So, you know, pop station, secular station where we had a three hour faith based show uh, every Sunday morning. What was that called? It was a cool name. It's called Radio Theology. So I just, Just you know, yeah, yeah, it's just the deal. But uh, (laughs) the thing I loved about the Blackbird was uh, growing up as a kid, I've always loved uh, military jets. And growing up, I had this huge poster of the the Blackbird uh, SR seventy one Blackbird spy plane, okay. and uh, just thought it was a really cool looking plane. And so the kind of the idea with Blackbird as of as 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 a ministry is we're either above or kind of below the radar uh, of of traditional ministry and stuff to try to do our best to to reach people in the everyday spaces and places of life. So. Sure. Uh, and the fourth reason is it just kind of sounded cool, Blackbird, right? <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's the, the three-part. Uh, I think that's what John Lennon was going for when he wrote Blackbird. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was Paul McCartney. The the, uh, the Beatles fanatics are going to come at me for that yeah, one. Yeah, which who actually pinned that one? Cancel, cancel culture is not great for podcasters, no. as you know. Yes. Uh, and what's the name of your podcast? It's just the Darren Early Wine Podcast. Darren Early Wine Podcast. So it's, had it a, it's had a couple different names, but... Uh, I would listen through, to it just to listen to you talk. Well, appreciate it. Thanks, Remington. Man. Yeah, I love it. But uh, through the pandemic, with everything getting canceled, for a while their pup theology was canceled because we couldn't be in bars, and then we lost the radio show because the radio station had to cut back on any part-time employees. And so uh, when everything kept getting canceled that had different names, I was like, you know what? We're going to rebrand the podcast, my name, and it can unless I die, it's not going to get canceled. So. So I want to talk about this book, um, and I was going to do it last, but I think that what will happen is through uh, learning about the book, we will get to pub theology because yeah. that's probably um, one of the endings to um, uh, an unpopular uh, part of your like. If you thought your life was going a certain way, that was not it. Yeah. Um, so tell us about the death of Dream. Te- what what inspired you to write this and uh, kind of walk us through it? Yeah, Remington, I've had you know an amazing opportunity through podcasting. Through um, I'm also a kind of a part time pastor, I guess. I speak here at church uh, church here in town twice a month, and then speak around the country at different churches and conferences. And just through 20 years of of speaking, of teaching, of interviewing people for podcasts, interviewing people for the radio show. I don't know that I've ever met anybody that didn't experience the death of a dream in some in some way, shape, or form. Right? They um, they had a dream in college, you know. They were, you know, or in high school, they were going to be a pro athlete, right? They were going to do this, or um, you know, they were going to get married and their marriage was going to last forever, or they were going to get married and they were going to have kids and then they couldn't, um, you know. Uh, through the you know an actual death you know my family's going to work like this and then I lose my you know my my mom or my dad you know when I'm a teenager mm-hmm. um, I started a company it was going to be great we were going to kill it we were going to be the next you know whatever I'm going to be the next Bill Gates and then three or four years into it my company fails I don't know anyone that doesn't have some type of a story of something they pursued with all their heart soul mind and strength that it that it it literally became their identity. And then it died somehow. And sometimes it's through betrayal of someone. Uh, more often than not, I think it's often we, we kind of self-sabotage, whether it's a character issue or sometimes it's a competency issue. Um, 
And that really becomes hard to get over when you realize that the thing that was bringing me life and meaning and identity, like I ruined it, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to write a book because my that's part of my journey of pursuing a dream from childhood, uh, it coming to a crashing halt in a, in, a, in a majorly kind of transitional time of life uh, by some betrayal from a friend, and then trying to kind of piece my life together in that process and um so i wanted to write something that connected with with this the journey that we've all been on and then brought people hope uh, because that's something i found through this journey as i started from a place of uh really thinking that if i trusted my life to god he was going to screw my life up mm. um, i had a lot of dreams and ambitions i knew what i was good at what i wanted to accomplish and in my perspective at that point as a teenager i thought God was a killjoy that wanted you to do stuff that was boring and that would... Yeah, it, they, I think a lot of people feel that way. Probably right. And so this dream that you were talking about early on, you're talking specifically, and maybe I'm wrong, but uh, was it the being a drummer? Right? Yeah. It was, you, that was the dream for you. Yeah, third grade, man. I started getting into rock and roll. I listened to a band. Uh, it, it's a, uh, I guess they, they made it pretty big and even in the second of the world, but this band Striper that was out in the, in the 80s, right? Yeah. Is uh, I got my first Striper tape. And yes, I said I said tape that that dates <laughs> me right cassette and Which you could um, record over if you wanted to yes right but um I went home and got some pencils and started jamming out to you know to the to the the music and I thought like you know what I think I can do this I think I can be a drummer and uh, there's a great uh, here's a resource piece there's an amazing documentary out on Netflix right now called Count Me In if you ever wanted to be a drummer or you like drummers go watch Count Me In it's on Netflix it's a uh, it's such a freaking great documentary about about drummers. But I had a moment, you know, and it talks about in that documentary about, you know, if you're a drummer, you've had a moment where you realize like, oh, my gosh, like I, I'm a freaking drummer, you yeah. know. Yeah. So from childhood on, man, I was good at it from the moment I tried it. God definitely gave me a, a natural talent to, to do it. And then uh, I applied myself to it, got really good. And that's what I thought the deal was. My older brother was a, an amazing guitarist. And so we were going to be the next Van Halen, you know. Yeah. And uh, we went after it. I moved. I grew up in Arizona, and that was the you know pursuing factor of my life. And um, the weird part was, my after my freshman year of high school, I sensed um, felt like that that God was inviting me to to uh, live a life of ministry. That my life would be uh, you know full time in ministry, which was difficult. My dad's a pastor, and uh, I always joke and say you know I had two heroes in life, Tommy Lee and my dad. <laughs> and so, um, you know, Tommy Lee was a rock star, a drummer. Your you know, probably wasn't much like him. My dad wasn't like him. Tommy had all the girls, all the money, all yeah. the cars, right? My yeah. dad was allowed one one girl. Uh, <laughs> we had really crappy cars because he didn't make much money as a pastor. And so yeah. for me, I was like, man, if I'm, I, I cannot, like, I don't want that life. And so it was difficult because I, 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 I knew, or at least I, what I felt like I knew, is that God had, had called me to, to live a life of ministry, but that just didn't match up with the life I really wanted to live and how I felt like I was gifted. And so um, so my whole life's kind of been weaving that in, but I, I chased after the dream to be a drummer, moved from Arizona to here to Indiana to go to Indiana Wesleyan University up in, up in Marion, and the, the plan was find a handful of dudes to put a band together and conquer the world. Well, it's interesting. Um, I mean, we're uh, a little bit older than a lot of the young high school listeners, but I mentor a lot of high school um, high schoolers through uh, Northview Church. Yeah, and it, uh, I remember one particular meeting where we were talking about just identity, and I actually we, I don't even think we were talking about identity, but I could tell that this one kid in our group was so beat up about being injured um, from basketball. Hmm. 
and he couldn't play the sport that he loved and he was heartbroken over it yeah. and it wasn't like a heartbroken like i'm letting my teammates down or the season's over it was my life is over kind yeah. of heartbreak yeah and and i don't remember and maybe i was and i just don't remember far that <laughs> that far back but having so much of your identity wrapped up into one thing or something that's so temporal you yeah. know um, I feel like you probably could relate a lot to that. And then even taking it into your adulthood, it sounds yeah. like the dream kind of fell apart when you got to Indiana. Yeah. I mean, we, it, it was, and I, and I think everybody, you know, everybody's story is a little different is if it's a specialized, you know, talent you have, maybe it's a sport for me, it was drumming is, is it, it can so much become, you know, who you are. And in that case it was, you know, yeah, we, we finally put a band together. Uh, we put out our, I mean, we, you know, put out a, a, an album. It was, and we did it ourselves. We weren't signed, but we did two nationwide tours. I mean, it was paying the bills. Like, and we were, uh, we were at the place where we were talking to record companies down in Nashville, working on finding a, a record deal and opening up for some big bands. It was like, we were picking up steams. It was like, this is going to happen. And um, one of the members in our band, uh, you know, betrayed us. Uh, stole some money from us, lied about it, and just broke our trust to the point where we couldn't continue, you know, with that. And it was literally three months before I was to graduate from college. Oh wow! So it was like, okay, Frankie we're moving. Valley, did you yeah, go? we're like, we're going to move to college. We're going to move to Nashville. We're going to do this thing. Here we go. And then it's like, uh, I have no application for my life's passion and dream, and I'm out of the safe haven of like college in three months. Wow! So, uh, so band, at that point, the band broke up yeah because of that yeah and there was and your had no recovering because of the momentum you had with that band yeah well yes and i mean there's a bigger story we we got another guy uh we met a guy it was a lead singer uh it was a singer songwriter who actually had a production deal he was working on and his band wasn't very good and so he needed a good band and we needed a singer yeah. and so we partnered up we did a couple of gigs we were supposed to move to nashville and, and work on his album and uh and then we as a group couldn't agree upon doing that and so once that opportunity was we passed on that opportunity at that point it was like okay i think i think maybe this is dead yeah wow and so uh so yeah so you really uh relate to Jer did you watch jersey boys have you seen that i haven't oh man that's right up your alley i mean it's very similar story i mean a lot of bands in that way but, yeah um yeah, that's and that's the thing is, is you know, sometimes when I tell my story and something you know, I was thinking about writing the book, you know, or, or, and, and making that a major part of it, it's easy to look at it and go like, dude, it was a college band. Like, bro, tons of people have college bands. Like, get over it. But I think the same thing could be said to a lot of people about their dreams, right? Sure. A lot of startup companies fail, sure. right? But when, when, you're, when you have wrapped your entire life and identity into something and it's gone, it wasn't just... Dude, that's a college band. Dude, it's just basketball. Right. Like, hey, it was just a marriage. A lot of people get divorced, right? Or it was just a company. Go start another one. It, it's it's easy to discard it and say, well, you know, because everyone's gone through that, that doesn't mean, you know, if you've been wrapped up identity-wise and it's gone, you know, you have those questions like, what's left to, what's left to live here, right? And who am I when this is gone? Yeah. Uh, and I think those are the answers, those questions and, and finding, you know, true and good answers to those questions uh, makes it so much more than whatever the actual dream was. Well, it's very intriguing. I almost want I, I almost want to stop so that you don't give away the ending because I, <laughs> I, I think I, I want to read it now. Um, but I think I, I think diving into like what made you start pup theology might give us a little bit of a taste of that. But I am definitely going to read this book. Um, so 
the dream falls apart and yeah. now you're trying to pick up the pieces and figure out what you want. You've always had a little bit of ministry calling you because of uh, your upbringing, your dad being a pastor. Yeah. And uh, but like many PKs, you don't want that life because and I feel like a lot of people view um, Christianity as like a list of do's and don'ts. And like you get to live a fun life. And then when you're ready to be, you know, a Christian, you put your fun life beside and you are dead to yourself until you die. And then you get to be fun again. And uh, it sounds like you have found an alter (laughs) alternative to that. I've tried. (laughs) So how did you how did you get? transition from that to now being in, in ministry. Yeah. So <clears throat> through that next year, I started helping out at a church here in town, started working with college students uh, and started a college ministry, um, got married uh, and was just really praying about, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? And one of the things that I was, that I was passionate about, even as I was going through that was, you know, the process of discovering the gifts and abilities and talents and the unique ways that God had, had created me and trying to figure out, you know, why don't, why am I so adverse to that life that I saw, you know, my dad live? And it was, it was more than to do about drumming. It was about understanding how do I actually leverage and become the person God created me to be. And so that became, an, that was always an underlying passion and it really came to the service at that point. And the application of that was I actually helped start a church, uh, planted a church here in, in, in Fisher's actually called the crux and led that church for eight years it was predominantly young adults college students um i loved it for the first four years starting something new that entrepreneurial pioneering spirit was you know was strong in me and i loved that part of it and then it grew and we got you know hundreds of people showing up and uh about six years in um i kind of had another identity crisis where uh, my life was completely inundated with everything church. Mm. I didn't have any friends that weren't connected to the church or somebody that wasn't Christian. If I wasn't doing church, talking about church at the church, um, I didn't know how to be a normal person anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's um, a different type of identity crisis. That's not. Yeah. That's not um, like when you when your identity was wrapped up in the band. It's almost like. You, that's where your swagger came from. You walk around and you're the guy that's in the band. Right. I don't know if it's the same identity issue that you're dealing with in the in the church. It's more so like you just have no other outlet. You have that is you. That's where you're at. Or was it? it I mean, yeah, and I, I think, you know, part of what I had to learn in that is, and I don't think everybody's like this, you know, Remington, but I I am, is when I, when I go in, I go in hard. Yeah. You know, I give myself totally to what I'm doing. And at that point, you know, I think in your 20s still, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to figure out how you make a mark on the world. And so I think it's it's easier at that point if you start getting uh, associated with something that is that is having a level of success. It's difficult not to be like, yeah, that's I'm that guy, you know, fill in the blank of whatever the deal you're a part of. And so I think I went in hard after that. I think there was a lot of pure intentions in it. But the, the difficult part became is like I didn't know how to differentiate myself from what I was doing at the church. And the difficult for me is I love I love to connect with people that um, that are maybe that don't feel like that maybe God could still love them. And I'm not a great shepherd. I'm not a good pastor, honestly. Like you know, you're, as you would think about a pastor and. Um, that's a part of the you know the 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 workshop and, and and online course that I that I teach called spiritual DNA where I help people discover like who you actually are the way that God's created you and I realized that I I wasn't a pastor I am more of a pioneer more of an entrepreneur and so what happened was I got to a place where I realized I didn't know anybody that didn't know Jesus I had no influential relationships outside the church and so I was like 
thinking and praying about when was the last time that I really had that kind of connection. I was like back when I was in a band and we were playing in bars all across you know the nation. And so uh, actually the funny part is I had hired a handful, uh, a couple of the guys that were in our band to work with me at the church at that point. So we basically put the band back together and we started gigging out here at local bars in town and uh, you know doing a uh, you know, a couple hour, you know, set of cover tunes and stuff. And then at the end of it, I would get up and do a little three minute thought of the night, you know, talk about faith, hope, love, forgiveness, uh, generosity, courage. And, um, and it, and it, people liked it, you know, it started to resonate. And so, um, longer story than I have time for uh, right now, but ended up relieving the church that I helped start resigning from there, uh, moving to, uh, another church here in town where, um, I could try to, to restart their young adult ministry, but at the same time have the, the leeway in the, in the permission to really try to start and grow pub theology. And so, uh, that was back in 2008, launched pub theology in 2009 and uh and yeah for the past you know over a decade we've been we've been doing events uh sometimes weekly right now we do a monthly um and we yeah we've created this idea of, of indy's best party with a purpose we want to reach people in the everyday spaces and places of life and uh you know remind them that they're loved mm-hmm. and so um uh took kind of the good the, the stuff i learned doing bar gigs in the band uh selfishly i wanted to play drums again in a band so you know i was the drummer in the band for the first three or four years of doing pub theology and uh and so yeah kind of combined both those worlds that that childhood rock and roll dream with being a pastor but doing it in places where uh it doesn't happen that often but i love the entrepreneur piece of that because that's a a lot of our guests that come on here are entrepreneurs and, and you just you wonder how they get into that space because they were working a desk job yeah. And then they create something or uh, start a service or just kind of fall into this thing. But really what, what it all is, is being a part of something to where it's your craft, the 10,000-hour rule that Malcolm Gladwell talks about. Yeah. I don't know if, I, I mean, drumming, you're probably an expert in, but also uh, living the touring bar lifestyle isn't, is like, as funny as it sounds, is something that you're now an expert in because you've done it for so long. Yeah. And then putting together that with the faith aspect, which you're also an expert in, 10,000 hours of faith uh, based activities. Yeah. And fusing those together and realizing that there's a need, listening to the need, and then capitalizing on it. And a lot of people do it for, um, you know, actually capitalizing on funds. Right. And, uh, but to do it in, in philanthropy and, and giving back to charities, cause you pick, as I understand it, different charities to give back to that yeah. you're raising money for at these events. Yeah. Yeah. We've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars over the past decade for local charities. And, Incredible. um, and so that was always a part of, uh, of the DNA of what we wanted to do with, with pub is, is let people experience. I tell people, listen, you know, you may have had the worst day ever, maybe the worst year ever, but I guarantee you at, at an event, if you reach into your pocket and you give to help someone else, you'll walk away feeling better about life, right? Like you, there, there are these things that we can engage in. I call them soul themes, right? They're, that you can get involved in and, and uh they make your life better. Yeah. And so um, we were able to do that yeah, and raise uh, tons of money and, and help out local causes, and it's been a blast. So you also mentioned that you get up and you do a three-minute message, and uh, when we talked um, before, you had mentioned that there's a way for people to engage at these events where they can ask their questions yeah. because they're coming. And I, I, I haven't been to one yet, but I'm, I'm really excited to go to uh, my first one. And I'm just curious, how, how does it work where you're playing secular songs? It's a cover band that, that plays secular songs, but then they, everyone knows why they're there. It's got the pub theology theme to it. Yeah. You're also giving back to charities to that. But your message is about, I'm guessing, 
uh, Jesus Christ and his love yeah. for those people, how, how, how then do, do they engage and ask you questions and, and um, have you, do you have stories of what came from that? Yeah, so we always do uh, text Q&A. So we put out a number throughout the nights up on the TV screens. We'll give it out from the stage. Say, hey, if you got any questions, you know what I mean? Faith, hope, love, relationships, job, whatever, you know, or sometimes I'll say, hey, you know, I'm actually a real pastor. If you ever thought to yourself, you know what, if I ever, you know, get a chance to actually ask a pastor a question, this one I'm going to ask him. And we, I think most of us are in some kind of wrestling match with some type of transcend, you know, transcendent idea. You know what I mean? We we have, you know, our, our you know, uh, our deeper questions. And the difficult thing about church often, I think, is that it's not it's not a very good dialogue environment, right? You come, you sit down, you hear, we listen to some people sing, and then a guy talks for 30 minutes and you leave. And uh, you don't get a chance a lot of times to ask questions. And I think one of the things that, that bums me out is that um, a lot of people have experienced that a faith community is not a place that really encourages questions, mm. right? Because we, we, we equate doubt with a lack of faith, which it's not, right? It's It's wrestling. Uh, I can remember some really good stories in the Old Testament about God being pretty okay with people wrestling mm-hmm. with him, right? And so I wanted to create an environment where that could happen. And so, yeah, we put out the number. People can text in questions about whatever, and I do my best to, to answer them live on the spot, uh, which some people would be like, oh, that's so courageous. And I don't know that it's courageous. I think it was just it made Honest. sense, and I'm maybe just dumb enough to try it. Um, <laughs> but um, we've had some phenomenal you know, moments throughout the years you know, where people are able to just be super honest and just ask, you know, really real questions sure. and do my best to, you know, to, to answer them as honestly and as compassionately uh, as I can and invite them into the, the, the you know, the, the search for truth themselves. And so um, I remember one night we got a question from uh, one of the bartenders at a bar that said, how am I supposed to work on my relationship with God when I think he hates me? Hmm. And it was like, okay, that's honest. Yeah. And... um you know, that night I was able, it was actually near Christmas time, and uh, the thought I had about was Christmas. I said, you know, one of the greatest proofs I think we have that God doesn't hate us is Christmas. I said, because if I'm the all-powerful, all-knowing being of the entire universe, and I'm coming to your planet, right, that I'm mad at, I don't show up as a baby, right? I probably show up with a lot of lightning yeah. and lightning Zeus. bolts and, yeah, Zeus and fire and smoke and really scary and, and with the loudness and saying, like, hey, be scared. I'm pissed, right? And he shows up in the most vulnerable form of humanity as a baby. Mm. And, and, I, and I don't think that was accidental. I think he wanted us to know, like, hey, I'm, I'm safe. You know what I mean? I love you. This is a place of peace. So those kind of just real vulnerable moments, you know, happen in between, you know, Prince, some Foo Fighters, raising you know, <laughs> raising money for you know homeless teenagers and you know Jack and Coke. So yeah. it's, it's a good night. <laughs> there you go. I bet you got some uh, rowdy stories as well to share. We got some good ones. We'll save that for another podcast. Yeah. Well, uh, we're running out of time here. I do want to make sure that people know where they can find you. The next place they can find you is actually at Parks Place Pub. Yep. We're going to have pub theology out there. Uh, really excited for that. Um, the death of a dream. When when can we expect to be able to? That. I wish I had a production date. Uh, we're in the uh, final editing phases right now. It'll come out in in, uh, in I hope 2022. I going to be doing the Audible 
version. I am. I'm, that's I, why I'm, I, I, I'm excited I, about I, it. I didn't talk a lot. I just keep listening. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it'll come out in 2022, and uh, just follow me on social media and stuff. Same thing with Pub Theology. Uh, when, once the new events are, are posted, they'll be on our Facebook page. Just look for Pub Theology Indie. Uh, there are other uh, different kind of versions of Pub Theology around the country, but look, uh, search for Pub Theology Indie right here in Indianapolis, and, uh, and you'll stay up to date. Cool. Well, if you want to find Darren Early Wine, that's how you do it. Um, and I would encourage you to come out to Pub Theology. I'm be coming out to the Parks Place Pub version. We'll uh, by the time this airs, we'll probably have a hard date that we'll put in the comments. No doubt. Uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Appreciate it, Raymond. Thanks for having me. Come find us again as Indy grows. See you next time. Step into my circle with the opposite of Urkel. When I pull up flying purple, people eat us.